Welcome to Local Share Green Action Podcast. This show is produced by Go Green Locally, a 501c3 nonprofit providing tools and resources for people that are looking for ways to take even more successful local action that makes a difference for our people and our planet. Today in our podcast, I'm speaking with the leader of a nonprofit whose mission is to preserve and restore the natural environment for future generations through education and community action. I'm very honored to be speaking with Maggie Bailey, who is the founder and president of We Plant It Forward in Raleigh, North Carolina. We Plant It Forward works towards their mission with hands-on activities, community engagement, and environmental education. Maggie Bailey holds a Master's of Science degree in Conflict Analysis and Resolution. Since 2009, she has led many tree planting volunteer efforts in the Raleigh-Durham area, working with both adults and children in cooperation with a large number of organizations like Habitat for Humanity, the Eno River Association, and many more. In 2012, she launched We Plant It Forward. This organization is teaching about the benefit of trees, how our ecosystems work, and proper tree planting. Most importantly, they are turning knowledge and education into action. We Plant It Forward has brought over 4,000 trees to the community of Raleigh and Durham. Welcome to the show, Maggie. Hi, it's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so nice to have you. And I'm so excited to speak with you and find out more about your path of green action that led to your work helping to restore and preserve our natural environment. So what planted the seed for you to want to take some kind of earth-friendly action originally? Yeah, so originally I was looking for service work to do, something to give back to humanity. And a mentor of mine said, well, what about planting trees? And I said, yeah, what about that? And so, um, you know, I love being in the garden and outside. And so that's really what planted the seed was uh, a mentor of mine. And, and it just blossomed from there. Well, so um, what helped you decide on the type of work? Yeah, you did mention your mentor, but specifically uh, working with community organizations. Um, how did that kind of come about? Yeah, so um, I guess maybe I could explain how I originally started this work. And, you know, I knew that um, me as a single person planting trees, I could only do so much. And so I just thought about, well, how can I get more people involved and make it easy uh, for them to be involved in planting trees. And so that's when I decided to start doing tree giveaways. And they originally I started by just harvesting volunteer seedlings in my yard and neighbors yards uh, with their permission, of course. And, uh, and then just sending out emails to friends and family saying, hey, I have these trees, do you want any? And, and from there, then I started to have uh, friends from other neighborhoods say, oh, come bring your trees over here and we'll do a giveaway over here in this neighborhood. And so I did that. And, and then I got to a point where it's like, okay, I can only do so much by, you know, I have to go and dig up these trees in people's yards in my own yard. And, and that I wanted to do more. And so then I started to look into where could I source trees inexpensively 
and and so I came across the North Carolina Forest Service Nursery. They have a couple locations, but I go to the one in Goldsboro, and I purchase tree seedlings from them. They're on average about 60 cents a piece. They used to be 50, now they're 60. So that way I could now spend more of my time contacting community groups, organizations, businesses in the community to say, hey, I have all these trees and I wanna give them away. Can we work together to make this happen? And so, um, so I just started looking for venues and realized that I could have a greater impact if I piggybacked on other people's organization of an event. Uh, and so I looked for uh, and continue to look for events that attract a lot of people. And so uh, my biggest successful partner is the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences. Uh, I show up at their reptile and amphibian oh, day. Uh, they can draw upwards to 9,000 people in one day. And so I set up the table and in the beginning they had me set up outside because you know trees can be messy, um, but then they let me inside. So that was good. So uh, in the first years, you know, I'd be outside and I have this big tent and it says um, uh, a few signs that say free trees. So people know they don't have to come up and ask, they can see, but they still ask. They're like, are they really free? <laughs> yes, they're really free. And, and so the museum event would go nine to five. And at five o'clock, I would have this huge line outside my tent because people were coming to get their trees when they left wow. the museum. So what was, what's been really cool with that particular venue is that, uh, I don't know if the word got out or just people are just more mindful and really want to plant more trees, but I went from giving away, you know, 250 trees to in 2019, the last reptile and amphibian day that the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences put on in person, I gave out. 675 trees. Wow. And so, so it's those kinds of venues, but I also go to uh, community groups where, you know, maybe they're having some kind of event like uh, an Easter egg hunt or uh, a fall festival and I'll give away trees there. So they do, they draw the people. And of course I do advertising too, but both of us doing it together draws more people. I'll also do tree giveaways with um, faith-based groups, you know, synagogues and churches and, and the like. And so my, so I, I do have a sort of metric that I use that if an event, if at an event I give away a hundred trees, I, I count that as successful. And if I don't give away a hundred trees, then I don't, I don't go back to that venue because I really need to have that bigger impact. And so that's sort of, you know, it's, there's a bit of evaluation in the work that I do. So that's just the tree giveaways. Yeah. So just on that um, topic there, so are you giving like one tree to, uh, to each 
person or family? And do you kind of like, do they ask you how big is this tree going to get? You know, what mm -hmm. kind of conditions are better? I'm, I'm curious. Yep, they sure do. So we, we, we give out more than one tree for a couple of reasons. One, trees actually like to be planted together. Uh, they survive better. And so we kind of encourage it. And typically people really just take, if they're gonna take more than one, then they'll take two or three is kind of more the average, but most people just take one. <clears throat> at, at our table, we have all kinds of information. Okay. So uh, that is printed out so that people can see pictures of the trees. It tells them the kind of conditions that the trees like, how big they will get, how you should um, plant them. So like if you have more than, than one tree, you know, how the spacing between the trees. And, and, and then we also, when they get the actual tree, there's a tree tag mm -hmm. that goes with it that um, has QR codes on it now that, that they can uh, just scan to get information about that specific tree, a link to the We Plant It Forward website where they can nice. see how to plant a tree, and then maybe a link to any other partner organization or, or sponsoring business so that um, they know who's to help support the work. So yeah. tell us a little bit about the structure and function of your organization that makes um, your workplace planet forward a little bit more innovative in the conservation field? Yeah, I think that that what I what I like about what we're doing is is I'm always looking to fill gaps and to support other conservation groups. And so I think that the more innovative thing that I'm doing is is that partnering and reaching out. And so what I've been doing is doing a lot of networking, reaching to conservation groups to say, hey, I have trees. If you have a need for planting, um, this is what I have. So I send them a list of the inventory and, um, and then you know, they'll come back to me and, and say what they need. And so uh, it just sort of helps uh, conservation groups focus on, on the care of the land where I can just come in and help them with the supply of the trees. I can also help with the tree planting demonstration so that their volunteers know how to plant a tree. I can help bring volunteers if that's necessary and, and I can bring tools as well. So I just, it's more about filling the gap, not reinventing the wheel. Nice. Nice. So I was reading on your website about your partnership with Pando, a volunteer-operated native tree farm. And it sounds like an amazing resource for, for your nonprofit. So I'm guessing that, that maybe your organizations both didn't start at exactly the same time. Project Pando's been was launched last or two two years ago. I think I have that right. And uh, the pandemic is sort of <laughs> throwing my count of years off. Yeah. <laughs> and so they are a volunteer driven 
native tree nursery. They're growing trees from seed. So, and they gather the seeds locally and we sort of help with that. So we do, um, we actually do collections ourselves and we act as a seed drop-off spot. And so to help make it convenient for people who are collecting throughout the Triangle area. And so we have been able to source some of our trees from uh, Project Pando as well. Uh, Leaf and Limb Tree Service is sort of the support organ, the support business behind Project Pando. And they just do an amazing job giving back to the community. And this is just a huge, huge benefit that we are all going to see coming our way with getting these trees in the ground from Project Pando. Yeah, I love the, the tree collecting. I don't know if I've seen that tree seed collecting um, in very many places across the country. So, And also you have kind of an amazing website in terms of like what you can gather according to what month it is in the year and you have some great pictures and yeah, can you tell us a little bit about more about the tree seed collection and um, some of like your rainwater harvesting classes and some of your other community education events? Yeah, yeah. So the tree seed collection is a, um, what's nice about that is it, it's a self-directed activity. So we uh, volunteers will sign up and I email them instructions on how to collect. They don't have to meet up with me to do the collection. They can just do it on their own time. And we give them sort of specific directions on the types of seeds that uh, are, are probably dropping at this time of year uh, with, that will have images and links to more information about the tree seeds. And so it just, it's just a really easy, family-friendly, school-friendly, you know, student-friendly event. And even for, you know, it could even be employee engagement type of event. So, so that's been, that's just, it's easy to do. We also, so I talked about the, the tree giveaways. Mm -hmm. We hold several of those um, throughout the winter months, usually from January to March and into April because of Earth Day. April's kind of late to be giving away trees. You really want to have trees planted in the fall to like fall, meaning around in North Carolina would be more November to at the latest, the end of March. But because of Earth Day, people's minds sort of get connected with the with nature during that month. We still give give out tree seedlings during that time. And we just tell people how important it is that they've got to water the tree because it's being planted so late. So we also do tree planting and tree planting is done through those same months from you know November to March. I don't schedule any tree plantings past March uh, because it's just harder to manage caring for a tree that hasn't had the opportunity to establish itself. So in the winter is when the trees uh, focus on root growth and establishing that root, those roots so that they can then focus in the spring on their um, growing of leaves, which is the source of their food. So that's why we uh, really encourage people to plant in the winter time. We also hold rain barrel workshops 
And we do, uh, because of the pandemic, we, um, we started holding rain barrel sales where I'll hold what I call a rain barrel build. And I have a group of volunteers build rain barrels custom made to the specifications of the uh, person who's purchasing it. You know, for example, there are two holes in the rain barrel and they can say, I want, you know, the spigot hole to be in this location and the overflow hole to be in this location around the barrel. And we can make it to that specification. So that's sort of a unique feature for our rain barrel sales. But I'll have to say that I really enjoy the rain barrel workshops. It's just so much fun to show people how to make a rain barrel and people who maybe have never used a drill or any kind of tool and they've got to do it. I'm not going to do it. I have to work with a bunch of people. And so, so they, they need to do it. And I think that the most rewarding thing for me is just seeing their beaming faces, you know, at the end of the workshop, which is only an hour long, it doesn't take long to make one and that they've made this barrel and they're going to go home, uh, take it home and set it up to start their own water conservation program at home. And they just love it. And I love seeing that uh, in them. So, and then we also have our environmental education. We have two sort of two spokes to that and that we have in-person environmental education where we'll go into schools and educate about um, trees, the benefits of trees, how trees function. We'll, we can do all kinds of environmental sustainability focus and themes. And so we, um, we tailor it to the needs of the classroom of, the, of what the teacher needs, you know, whatever um, you know, curriculum requirements that they're trying Excellent. to meet. And we always have a hands-on activity. And so that could be anything from a tree planting on campus a tree giveaway on campus. We do a tree seed kit that the students will make and um, they can take it home and grow a tree from seed. We can, we will um, do act out the life cycle of a tree. We will um, create an ecological web using string and everybody plays a different role in that web. And then we look at what happens when the um, when parts of the ecosystem are damaged? And so the way that we replicate that is is the part that's damaged drops their string, right. and and you know the students can just observe what happens to the web. Uh, and so I won't I won't um, give away this what happens, but it's very very interesting. And when I first did it, I did not, I, I really thought it was going to turn out one way and it was turned out the other way. And I was like, huh, I guess I should say it because it, it's, it's, it's just so cool. So we had the students, they created this web and they're holding it pretty string, pretty tightly. So there's a bit of tension to every line of the web. And as they dropped 
drop there. So like if they were a plant or an insect or a mammal or a bird, you know, we had first people drop, the students drop the, um, if they were a plant. And it was just amazing that the web still was intact. You know, like it didn't completely fall apart. And, and so what was interesting teaching point about that was about the resilience of nature. And so, but eventually, you know, we had everybody drop pieces and you could see the weakening of the web as things started to come apart with the, uh, with our model web ecosystem. So it's just a really um, dynamic way of teaching about um, the ecosystem. Yeah, it sounds very interactive and kind of get it on different levels. So it's great. And I guess I should put a plug in for, um, we get a lot of our curriculum from uh, Project Learning Tree, which has this great resource, you know, book of curriculum. And so what I'll do is I'll go into that book and I'll look for different things and I'll I'll adapt and change things a bit. Um, And sometimes I'll just create curriculum that's completely new. But we have, there are great resources out there for people. Nice, nice. So as a community organization, um, what is maybe one of the challenges that uh, you face and how have you overcome it? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, in the beginning, it's about being able to scale the work. And it's really still continues today. And, and the key to overcoming that hurdle is, is the partnerships. You know, we really do have to work together. We can't work in a vacuum. We can just only get so much done. And so the partnerships are really, really key. And now I'm looking at trying to create more more partnerships, but also just looking at unique ways to partner, you know, by connecting with, connecting with the Wake County uh, summer food program. You know, we were, we did educational sessions there. And so just sort of finding these different things. So I'm not just doing sort of environmentally focused summer camps, but but other other types of programs connecting with them. The other thing is, you know, and this is a big challenge for every nonprofit organization, and that is fundraising. And I think that what's, you know, I guess what I didn't say in the beginning is that We Plan It Forward has been a a volunteer-run organization and is to this day, but this year the goal is to shift it to... um, we're hiring an executive director or creating an executive director position, which I will actually step into and um, trying to build the organization so that it is, has some long-term sustainability. And, and so nonprofits just uh, have the continual mm-hmm. challenge of being able to secure the resources needed to uh, to do the work, to serve the community. And, and so what's been really important for me is to train myself in um, different types of fundraising. 
and to try to get enough training so that it's it's not you know this impossible intimidating task you know building my knowledge base so that i just know what to do and and can do it and you know and just you know it's almost like it, you know it's like this business machine that I'm just sort of chugging along and, and, you know, the resources will come in uh, from different places and then I'll be denied in other places. But uh, the important thing is, is being able to give yourself the tools uh, to be successful in that fundraising. So um, yeah, so that's, that's been great. It's hard, but it's really good. I bet. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. So what are some of the ways that you and others are enjoying the rewards of your work? Yeah, you know, there's this story I love to tell. This was early on in, um, there's two stories, actually. I was doing a tree planting with, it was my very first tree planting with a first grade class on school campus. And what we would do is we, we would pre-dig the holes because you know, these are first graders. And so I would have parents come the day before and dig the holes with us. And then we'd fill them back up. And then the students would take the dirt back out the next day. And there was this one girl who, who didn't want to dig her shovel full out. And so I looked at her and I said, I said, well, what if we do it together? And she said, okay, we can do it. And so we did. And she just had the biggest smile on her face when she was done. And so just sort of helping people to connect with nature so that it really speaks to them. That it, this this kind of thing just brings tears to my eyes and it's hard for me to talk about sometimes, but you know, that to see the impact, to see that it brought her joy And so that brings me to another story. I was doing another tree planting with a fifth grade class. We were um, reforesting a flood zone. Um, And this was in partnership with the city of Raleigh. We had 110 students in the grade come out and, and parents. And we planted about 50 trees and it took just um, just a couple of hours to do. And at the end, I stood in front of the group and I said to them, I thanked them for coming. And I said, they did an amazing job. And I said, turn around. You need to look at what you've accomplished here. And so they did. And they, they just spontaneously erupted into applause for themselves. And every time I think of that story, I just, it just reinforces my determination to continue this work because of those great impacts on their lives. And they'll be able to go back to that area and see those trees for generations. They'll be able to show their children, I planted that tree. Um, and so I think that that is just sort of the magic yeah. about 
you know, planting trees and, and working in environmental sustainability is, is that we can see the benefits. You know, the whole community can see the benefits. And so, um, yeah, so that's why I do it. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful. So if your ideas and your experience and your wisdom were all wrapped up in seeds of potential action for you to give to others, what advice would you give to someone that uh, might also be considering this in their local area? I would say that you can make a difference. You can plant a tree. You could, and it, even if you live in an apartment, you can find a place to go plant a tree, and and you can have an impact. And and that, you know, it may seem very simple, and it may seem small to you, but I think that with anything that we do, that service to others, service to the community, service to the earth and nature and caring for it, we really just have no idea the extent of the impact we'll have on this, on, on, on a simple act of, you know, maybe picking up a piece of trash that could have ended up in the ocean and potentially have strangled some sort of animal, but somebody picked it up and so that didn't happen. So you, you just don't know what your impact would would could be and a mentor of mine will like when we're chatting back and forth he will he will just type nike and i'm like the first time he did that i was like what and and he's like and and you know their slogan is just do it and so my advice is to just do it just do it nice yeah nice yeah. Well, also just um, the idea of having a mentor, I think that's um, not everyone does that. So can you maybe share just a little bit um, about how you found a mentor or maybe what inspired you to do that and then how that how that worked out? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I think that there are mentors all around us and, you know, it's taking taking the, the risk of of asking, of sharing, of, of searching, you know, uh, just, you know, there are people out there that have so much more wisdom than I do. And, and I have that desire to have their wisdom. And the only way I can get it is if I ask them. And, and so, you know, it just sort of builds this yeah. chain of a benefit so that you know when I learn what they learn then I can teach others what I have learned and so uh, I think that the the mentor model model I guess is yeah model but I, I think of like a, a, a necklace you know that you know what's nice about the 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 image of a necklace, you know, that let's say there are pearls on a necklace and each pearl is an individual, but, but the string of pearls make a whole necklace and, and, and that necklace can bring beauty. It can, it creates like each individual 
pearl is creating a necklace that is beautiful, that has some strength to it because it is one unit. And so I think that, you know, having that model of working with uh, a mentor or a teacher is, um, is really, I guess, the words that are coming to mind are just, is, is life-saving, is life-improving, is, is just, I wouldn't be where I am today without looking to people who know more than I do and, and connecting with them. Just a, a question as, you know, I'm always kind of looking and seeing my background has been more in permaculture area, but I, one thing that I've come across recently, I'm sure you've probably heard about it too, is this Miyawaki urban forest planting thing. And I, I was wondering what your thoughts are on that and if you've ever incorporated any of that in an urban area. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked. So yes, I do know about the Miyawaki method. And, and what I will call it is forest planting, you know, mini urban forest planting, where there's uh, an understory, a midstory, and an upper story. And we are actually in the process of developing a pilot project on that particular method of densely planting a small forest of trees. We're working with uh, we're working to find a location at this point. So it's a pilot project where we want to focus on an urban hotspot. And the city of Raleigh uh, and Activate Good, which is a uh, volunteer recruitment organization, they partnered to do hotspot mapping of the Raleigh, Durham, I think just Raleigh-Durham area. I'm not sure if Chapel Hill was involved in it. And so we're waiting for that map to be um, made and the report to be done. And we will choose from that. We will go in and look at different areas, different parts of the community that have these urban hotspots. And of course, we need to work with the community to around this initiative to see if this is this something that they would want is it you know are they interested in helping and what wisdom can they bring to the table about this location and so um, so we're working on that that's sort of a project that's in the very beginning stages of of development but I'm very excited about it and the other thing around planting when I first started planting I actually did a stint with um, Trees Across Raleigh, which was a great organization that was started um, after Hurricane Fran came through in 1995, I think. And they planted, they've planted many, many trees in, in Raleigh. And I served on their board for, for a couple of years. And, and so, but when I first started planting with them, this, what I was taught was just you know, don't worry about amending the soil. Just plant the tree in the ground because it's got to get used to growing in the soil that's outside the hole. And so, so that's what I've been telling people all these years. And then this year I went to the North Carolina Urban Forestry Conference and they had a whole thing on there on, uh, they had a session on soil restoration. 
And it sort of convinced me to start changing my tune, my message around planting and the importance of building healthy soil and helping the trees get a good start. And so, so now I'm, I'm going to suggest that people amend the soil, but that it's not just this hole that they amend, that they have to amend a bigger area for, for the tree. And, and there are, you know, um, specific ratios of organic matter and, you know, um, you know, rocks and, you know, more impervious matter and, and the mulch and, and so what I am going to be working on is building a sort of a page or information on our website to help people navigate that whole soil restoration. We have, um, we have a little bit of uh, information on the website, but not quite enough yet. And so, so there's a lot of great initiatives out there and the, the, the urban mini forest um, and the Milwaukee method is, is really that same thing when you densely plant in a small area, could really bring some great benefits in helping with mitigating hot spots in urban areas and with, you know, just bringing, there's just, you know, uh, values of moisture. So helping with the water cycle and helping with, yeah. you know, just people's well-being. You know, there's lots of research out there that People who spend time in nature are happier. And so the only um, other thing, and this is sort of a big aside, is an event that we are putting on. And this Mm -hmm. has been a dream of dream of mine for many years is uh, this year we're going to be putting on a Arbor Day environmental festival. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so I'm really excited. We got a grant to... Um, hold the event at Dorothea Dix Park Mm. and I wish I could tell you a date but we're still working with the city staff um, and haven't gotten a date it's going to be at the end of March I'm hoping it's going to be Sunday March 20th it could be um, March 27th but we'll just keep I'll I'll let you know when once I know the exact date but this festival will have of course, the, the focus will be on trees, but not only on trees, but environmental sustainability. And so we'll have a tree giveaway at the festival and um, we'll have uh, environmental educators from high school students to volunteers that we pre- recruit um, helping us to uh, man tables on environmental sustainability around tree planting, uh, alternative energy, water conservation, water quality, and we will have also local environmental businesses that are focused on environmental sustainability doing the same sort of hands-on activities. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, well, um, I really want to thank you so much for taking the time to to share all of this with us and um, just really appreciate um, how much you've done and connected with different organizations and people and just push the needle in a, in a beautiful way. So thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm so happy to be here and uh, thank you for having me. If you would like to learn more about We Plant It Forward, then visit their website 
at www.weplantitforward.org. You can also find them at We Plant It Forward at LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you'd like to contact Maggie Bailey, then you can email her at hello at weplantitforward.org. Thank you for joining us today. If you haven't yet visited your local green online hub, then please visit gogreenlocally.org and check out the directories for events, groups, businesses, online resources, and local support listings for your area. If you find something is missing, then let us know or just log in and add it. These are community free sharing directories.